0: On this episode of K-Pod... How has teaching techniques changed in Korea? Our best and worst teaching methods for learning English and how our teaching methods have changed over the years. All of this and a special guest here on K-Pod for this episode.
1: We record our podcast in downtown Changwon City, South Korea at the only Irish bar in town, O'Brien's Irish Bar and Restaurant. They are located in Jeongdong, right across from the International Hotel on the third floor. If you're in the area, be sure to stop by and check them out for some great food, drinks, and one of the best atmospheres in the area. O'Brien's Irish Bar and Restaurant, Changwon City.
0: It's K-Pod,
2: Life in Korea, with your hosts, Scott, Marco, and Adam. So-
0: it's another episode of K-Pod, Life in Korea, the podcast that brings you some of the live stories and people living and working right here in South Korea. But once again, I'm one of the hosts, Scott. Sitting to my right is Adam. Adam, how's things? I'm great, thank you. And Marco, Marco, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty great, thanks. And got a special guest this week. Sitting right across from me, we've got Craig Nickel. Nickel, how's it going? Good, mate. It's been a long time. It has been indeed. So some people out there might know who Craig is. He used to live here in Changwon and was here for quite a long time. How long were you we here for?
3: I was here for about, I lived in Changwon for seven years over, I guess it was about a 13, well, 12 year period.
0: So around seven years altogether.
3: Yeah. I give, did. Or, give or take. I did it a year and a half in Busan as well. But yeah, so it was about eight and a half years living in Korea.
0: And how long ago did you leave?
3: Left in 2014. 14? Just to go to the World Cup in Brazil. So I left, yeah, March 2014.
0: When was the uh, first time you came to Korea? Do you remember what year that was?
3: I do. It was April Fool's Day, 2002.
0: Uh, so just shortly after I came, actually, I think.
3: Yep, that would be right. Yeah. So you,
0: you came here for the World
3: Cup? I did. I did. I uh, was offered a job uh, and I thought I was going to be just north of Seoul and then they changed it at the last minute and they said, can you go to a place called Changwon? I was like, where is that on the map? How many stadiums are nearby? And I figured it out. I could do Daegu, Ulsan and Busan and I was like, no problem. Done.
0: Did you go to any games in 2002?
3: I did. I went to four different games. It started a bit of a lifelong obsession with myself going to World Cups.
0: So in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about how things have changed here in Korea in terms of uh, teaching since we all began teaching till now. We'll also get into uh, some of our best and worst teaching methods that we came across. And A little later, we're going to get into something that Craig's involved with now. Maybe one of the reasons he's returned for a little special visit. Alright, so before we jump into, uh, some of the things that have changed regarding teaching, at least teaching English in Korea here. Craig, so we found out you spent about seven years here. So where are you originally from?
3: Uh, New Zealand.
0: New Zealand. And was the World Cup the main reason that you decided to come to South Korea?
3: No, it actually was uh, breaking up with a girl and uh, deciding it was time to go overseas. Um, Yeah, like it was, I mean, choosing Korea was to do with the World Cup. But I saw an advert in a newspaper and I was like, you know, jobs over in Korea teaching ESL. And I thought appropriately enough, my worst subject at school was English. I thought I'd make a good English teacher, so... I thought, hey, answer this. And then I did a little T cell course and then, uh, was really keen to get out of new zealand i was terrible at saving money and someone could you know korea offered free flights so i was like that's a good idea
0: yeah, yeah. i remember that korea was also you didn't need a university degree back then
3: for me yeah i i did i like when i for the job that i applied for and to get my visa it said you needed uh, uh at the time they said you needed a four-year degree and most of the degrees in new zealand are three but i had a um TESOL certificate so that kind of okay. took uh, took away the need for a four-year degree yeah when uh i
0: remember i came here maybe just about a year before you and at that time you didn't need a university degree you might have had to have a college diploma Mm -hmm. like in terms of uh, regarding canada anyway do you have difference in states like we have colleges and university there's a difference in canada
2: uh we call everything college. Since I've come here, I've started differentiating. But generally, like if it's there's community college and then there's just college. But that's basically the difference between. What about
3: New Zealand? Usually call things universities and politics.
2: Po- politics? Poly-techs.
3: polytechs. Oh, Polytechs. P P-O-L-Y. O po- L Y. Polytechnics.
0: Uh, I thought said politics too I was like
3: hmm? um, yeah polytechnics um, which now people don't like that name so they've all of a sudden all, a lot of the polytechnics have become institutes of technology is that like a trade school kind of yeah but like a lot of them have uh, ventured out and uh, doing degrees and stuff now so it used to be like a one year certificate or a two year diploma but now some of them have ventured out and got three year degrees and some of them actually do master's programs now one of the places i worked at back home does that so yeah because in new zealand it's very hard for them to change to become a university like there's only eight universities in new zealand it's like a very kind of elite club i think uh for teaching in asia now the only
1: country that that allows people from community college or polytechs, as you say are is cambodia i think every other country you you require they require you to have a four-year degree at what we'd say in canada university what you'd say in the states like I guess college, not cu- not
0: community college, and what you'd
1: say in New Zealand u- university as well. Yeah.
0: So, uh, Craig, you're still involved with the education system in some ways, which we'll get get into in a little bit here. So, Craig and I have probably been doing this the longest here at this table, and Adam's probably third you've been doing this about seven years here
1: uh uh not well here in in korea about eight years but uh, i've also taught in europe for a year so i'm about nine years in
0: and marco's two years here yeah coming up on three coming up on three Mm -hmm. so we got a little range here so what are some of the things that you found has changed since you started teaching english to now in terms of everybody's kind of changed jobs obviously Mm -hmm. different work environments is there anything that is a change regarding let's say your own methods or
3: styles i think i think for me i think anything in education uh there's a there's a little bit of an elitist attitude in in terms of education and i think the a lot of if you look at a lot of other fields you know what degrees and stuff you have is not really that relevant but if you know you're looking for the better jobs and stuff there is still that uh, necessity to have a master's that master's has become the standard where it used to be something to uh, to attain you know something a high level to achieve but now in the world where i work back home like in universities and stuff it's expected that you have a master's to to be at that level of teaching anything less is people kind of look down on you i feel yeah the
0: definitely in korea qualifications for teachers has changed since i started here i have heard or read recently that there might be Trying to get rid of teachers in public schools yeah. as far as foreigners, because of the lack of experience and stuff regarding yeah. the teachers that some schools get.
1: I was going to mention this actually uh, recently. The Korean Teachers and Education Workers Union, or abbreviated the KTU, uh, in Seoul, they were saying that um, they wanted to phase out English teachers in elementary schools, basically because they thought that Korean English teachers could do the same job and that a lot of native teachers are
0: underqualified so and which creates more work for the Korean teacher i think right but anyway so qualifications have changed uh obviously the more that you teach obviously you change yourself so marco is there anything that has changed regarding almost 3 years ago since you started teaching english like, different
2: styles or methods that you use and the way i teach uh yes i have been very fortunate i Teach at a great school, and teaching at the same school, teaching the same ages, I'm teaching the same classes again and again, and I get to try different things uh, every time I go over the same unit. Uh, and a lot of things. I mean, I guess I'm still relatively new at teaching, but um, honestly, what's changed the most for me is classroom management. Okay,
0: so uh, controlling the kids.
2: I don't like the word control. <laughs> But yeah, basically I do (laughs) Um, Yeah, when I started I just kind of was I started in the middle of the year And I was trying to follow in the footsteps Of the teacher before me Because he was very well-liked And I understand why He had a very positive attitude And he was very handsome And in Korea, that's a big deal And uh, he was was a very good teacher So I was just What school was it? uh, I teach at Poly Ah, it's just Okay, it wasn't me then (laughs) That's how you're talking about me but yeah so I was trying to follow in his footsteps so I guess the word control does fit taking control of the classroom like taking my own control instead of just teaching the way someone else did and following the rules that they laid out um, I have tried my own methods of management some have worked some have not but you know when that happens you just keep searching for new methods and Adam what's the biggest difference for you uh
1: well I think for me, teaching in a public school for all these years, um, I've been just trying to focus on getting more student folk, student-centered student activities in the classroom instead of just like a teacher standing there, which is kind of like the Korean traditional style where, you know, there's a lecturer and students just sit there and passively take notes. I try to get the students to actually interact with each other, practice the key expressions with one another. Um, and also, I've noticed that like a lot of these textbooks that I work with, they try to incorporate some kind of like cultural uh, element to it, where like the, the students see like oh this is how they do this here and this is how it's different from what we do things here and i think that's just meant to kind of like broaden their minds like you know there's a lot there's a big world out there uh and people do things differently so
0: all right and craig
3: when's the last time you were in a classroom uh about three weeks ago Oh, really? Um, Yeah, I just did a short-term contract in uh, China. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did uh, two years uh, teaching at a school that was in China, a polytech that was affiliated with our school back in New Zealand. So we used to be the coordinator there. Now I just went back to do a, a contract to help them out in between my Chasing Time English stuff. So it was, uh, yeah, it's good to get back into the classroom. From Compared to teaching back home, like I've done a couple of years teaching in New Zealand, a couple of years teaching in China, it's very different, you know? Like there's a huge difference between EFL and ESL. I love teaching ESL back in New Zealand. It's, you know, half the job's taken care of for you for you because you've got a classroom full of multicultural students that have to speak to each other in english yep and that's such a big thing trying to do that in asia trying to get korean kids to speak to each other in english or trying to get chinese kids to speak to each other in english it's it's a huge challenge for any of us but you know that that's taking care of you for you in esl back home and you know you've also got the outside environment with are living and experiencing it every day and I, I find the ESLs a lot more enjoyable but you know I do like the challenges at EFL so going back to China it was as a challenge because the, the students that we had their level was not great and the classroom sizes it got bigger so classroom management becomes a bigger challenge and Chinese students are absolutely addicted to their phones which which is obviously one of the downsides of technology that's coming through at the moment and it's something that we're going to have to adapt to do they confiscate the phones in the classroom or um it's like the school didn't put out a policy on that and like there's some schools that do and some schools that don't and you know like if you're going to do it it's got to be all across the board yeah but in um in the school we were in, they didn't so it's a challenge in itself yeah that's got to be a headache man because like if my kids had access
1: to their phones they take them there's like a special cupboard for them but if if my kids had access to the phones i'd be going crazy you know like because they're always going to be pulling them out probably like under the desk kind of thing you know like like as you used to like write notes to your friends back in the day you know
2: And I have some kids who like will pull out their phones in class, but uh, usually I will take it if they're using it during class. But if they're not, it doesn't bother me if they have it. I don't even care if they have it sitting on the table. I can see it if I can see that they're not using it because maybe they're just checking the time because I actually in my classrooms have all the clocks turned off because that way kids are not staring at the clock all the time. And with the older kids, the ones who have the phones, it doesn't bother me as much. It's the younger kids. I don't want to know the time. So if they're not like on their phone, we don't have clocks in our school. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Do you use computers? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I turned the clock off of my computer uh, as well
0: like even in the bottom right corner yep oh, i didn't even realize you could do that
3: just going back to that like i mean as i'm saying like with bigger classrooms it's, it's certainly harder to control that and it's like when you've got more than 30 kids in a class it makes it very challenging to control that situation when there's no policy enforced and it makes it frustrating at the same time and when you've got low-level students that don't have much of an interest in english anyway it just adds to the, the, the troubles that you face as as a teacher in those situations. So
0: anyway, technology is uh, making changes to how people study and learn things, obviously, like all this talk with cell phones and classrooms. Is there any difference say, I'll ask Adam, Adam, since you started whatever, seven or eight years ago, do you use technology in any ways? I
1: have to because my textbooks have uh, CDs and I have smart...
0: CDs or...
1: Yeah, but I mean like uh, (laughs) CDs that align with The, with the lessons and so like the the things like listen and repeat activities i have to put them into the computer and i have to use like a smart tv in my classroom so without those i mean i could teach without the technology but i think oh you mean like a dvd with dvd with with various with and, video clips and stuff like that i just meant like a cd well yeah well yeah i guess it would be like a dvd but yeah it's like it's like uh it's a cd slash dvd that has listen and repeat clips where you know you kind of like try to ask them comprehension questions and then there's also like some of my textbooks are really good like they have like some interactive games where you can kind of review the material
0: is it just audio though
1: no it's all it's video okay. and audio
2: yeah Marco, do you use any type of technology in your classrooms? Yeah, my school use a lot of technology actually. Like he said, there were some that have the the audio that come with the books. Uh, although recently, like this year, we've been getting a lot of it digitally. Like in our teacher's resources, we can just get MP3s instead of having to deal with CDs. Um, and then I have PowerPoints that uh, help the kids like follow through the lessons. It'll have pages from the book, which is nice because then I can point exactly where they need to look in the book. And then, on their own, we have uh, something called ePoly and the kids can go on and they review and play like games and study on their own. There are like songs, uh, like an entire computer program just like for our kids to do to practice at home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another website I think that's well known in Korea, EBS. I'm sure you guys have heard it before. They have a radio station and a website and everything. so.
0: So, Craig, you're into some new technology in the classroom and what people can do to help learn English, but you're on a different end of it this time.
3: So what exactly are you into? Um, well, I went back home and uh, it's, it's a different world teaching back there. But um, what we've got into is uh, called uh, Chasing Time English. And we're a newly established company. And our primary goal is to provide dramas for English language learners with original content development by ELT professionals. It can be either used in the classroom or for independent learners or together for flipped classrooms. We've released uh, Fortune as our two independent series, one set at a pre-intermediate level and one is an uh, upper intermediate level at the end of uh, 2017. And we released Adrift, our next series, which is uh, advanced level, uh, in August last year. And we just finished this weekend filming uh, Skipper's Pass, which is our uh, set for the intermediate level. So later this year, we're going to have a digital platform of shows, which we will look at to sell to universities, colleges, polytechnics, and language institutes
0: so this is basically uh i've i watched season one of fortune so it's basically like a a movie that uh students can watch with obviously material to go along with it and it's in different segments is that correct
3: that's right so each episode i would say not movies so much but uh, yeah yeah, six uh part episodes or we and the episodes are about six minutes long because we don't want to make it to put too much stress on the students to watch something for two too long you know like we want to engage them for a short period of time short and concise right exactly Mm -hmm. and you're looking at um, providing enough material so everything has been developed for length second language learners it's not like a lot of shows that people have used like friends and stuff like that and tried to go back and make materials for things like that but what we're trying to do here is looking at from the other way everything's developed for second language learners right from the start, whereas something like friends is for first language learner sorry, first language speakers. And it's, it's appropriate that we, every word that's used in there is for a learning purpose.
0: And how exactly did you get involved with Chasing Timey?
3: Um, A couple of uh, my friends from New Zealand had been making uh, short films. Uh, Scott Granville and uh, Ben Woolen. And Ben's been doing a lot of filming for a long time. Uh, He's done some stuff with Peter Jackson on the recent Mortal Engines that's coming out. So he he knows his stuff. And uh, Scott and him had been doing a lot of short films. And they had quite a bit of success going to festivals around him america but scott had always been in the um, english education industry and he wanted to do something different and we always thought that there was a lack of authentic listening material out there and we wanted to make something that was engaging for students and this is what we've come up with
0: yeah scott was a teacher here
3: too right that's right i knew scott when he uh lived here obviously yeah we uh found out that we played against each other when we were 14 years old in a football match uh we were sitting at the bar having a conversation and like did you play for that school and i'm like yeah and he goes I, I played for that school and yeah we've been friends ever since small world much. man oh very small world there, there's a thing in new zealand where they say there's three degrees of separation and then if you go to university there's two like it's not this uh, kevin bacon six degrees of separation in new zealand
0: so getting back to chasing time english so when you went back home after what, what World Cup was it? South Africa?
3: No, it was you after left? Brazil. I went back and I uh, went back home for a month, and I travelled around uh, North America and then South America for the World Cup. Went back to North America and then finally went back home and uh, got a job uh, teaching in uh, Wintech in New Zealand, uh, which is an uh, Institute of Technology, but they've got a very good uh, English language centre. So it was um, working with my friend Scott. So
0: Scott and Ben were both in New Zealand at the time? That's right. So you guys got together and talked about it. How'd you come up with, uh, let's say, uh, like I said, I watched Fortune. How'd you come up with the story?
3: That's uh, all Scott and Ben. Like I I actually went overseas for a while and uh, for the school, I was working in China and Scott was sending me messages about it when he was over there. But him and Ben came up with Fortune and they were just talking about it on the way to the airport one day about how they could do this, how that they could turn something that we'd always thought about, you know, how how that they could turn their great ideas of short films into something that was productive for language learning. And uh, Fortune's what they came up with. Scott's, I mean, got plenty of ideas. He's got great, uh, great Set of scripts already written for all our future series. He's already got two and three already written out and a few more on the way. He loves coming up with these ideas and he's great at it, you know?
0: So just to be clear for people listening, it's kind of like a, almost like a, a Netflix series. But uh, shorter, obviously, like you said, six, seven minutes an episode, which involves using certain English language phrases and stuff that you kind of have exercises that you can use after watching an episode.
3: Right. I mean, there's, there's elements of all language learning in there. Like, um, so the idea in the future with our digital platform comes out um, later this year is that you'll be able to go and select what level you want, so whether you want beginner, elementary, pre-intermediate, intermediate, intermediate, upper-intermediate, advanced, you'll have different shows at each level that you can choose. And all the materials are prepared there for it. So the materials are either self-study or for a teacher in class to use as a communicative tool.
0: So speaking of class, I was gonna ask you, do you think the system is for being used in a classroom or more for individual study
3: at home or both? both? absolutely both um i think it's one of those things where if you've got motivated students that want to do it by themselves you know there's a lot of self-study material out there i mean this is what we're trying to do is have something that's engaging that keeps their attention and a lot of the stuff is set up for them to do by themselves or a teacher can use it in class as a you know as i said as a, a communicative tool um both Yeah, a very suitable.
2: Um, Is it like one of those programs where you purchase, like you can purchase for business or you can purchase for home? Uh, Do you, when you sign up, or you purchase this, are you signing up as a self study or for a classroom? How does that work?
3: Currently, you can buy it
2: in PDF form. Uh, you can go to our website and you can purchase.
3: You can purchase as a student, as a teacher. Later on, when we our digital platform's developed, uh, which should be in the next few months, it's going to be available, hopefully, on Articulate Storyline, which can be put on as a Moodle, on any kind of Moodle platform around universities, schools, and institutes. who will be the main focus of who we're selling it to, but individuals will be able to buy it as well. But at the, in its current form, individuals can buy it. Uh, the pdfs that have all the teaching and learning materials on them and that are available
1: yeah it's good to go digital these days eh? like uh it's it's easier for the consumer and you know the person who's selling the
3: the materials right like and we're saving trees, I guess. But like, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, we actually have a publisher as well. So, I mean, some people still prefer to use books. So, we've got an American publisher, uh, Alphabet Publishing, and they've published our first series, Fortune, uh, in both the Blue and the Gold series, which are two different levels. And we've also got Adrift, our next series, they're just about to start publishing them very soon. So, there's still people out there that like the book and they want the book in their classroom. So there's that option or the, you know, I
1: really like how you have it separated into uh, divisions too. Like um, like you said, like beginner, lower intermediate, intermediate, upper intermediate, and advanced and so on, because like those, that really does make a difference. If somebody has no exposure to, uh, you know, English conversation, you know, you, you then you obviously have to say, you know, start off with a beginner. But if somebody's like, you know, I've studied a little bit, but I don't really know that much, then you maybe recommend like a lower intermediate. I mean, it, it, it really does depend with these levels, right?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, like somebody who had studied abroad but only briefly, you'd be like, "Well, maybe start start with like upper intermediate and then work your way up to advanced." You know?
3: Yeah, it's just finding out where where your English ability is at at the time, and it just once you've got that, then you can move ahead. You know, try something. You might find it's a bit easy, then step up to the next level, or vice versa if something's a bit hard. Yeah, step down to the the level that's below.
1: Yeah, because you don't want somebody getting into like upper intermediate when their when their language skills are quite low
3: because right. they're going to feel
1: too overwhelmed
3: you know absolutely yeah. so that's that's part of the idea is to have a whole range at each level and we'll just keep adding more shows every year
2: now you have different levels Do you also is it geared for different ages as well
3: at the moment we're focusing on uh high school and adults um There is talk of going into the children's market later on, but it's a completely different market. And what you're looking at with TV shows for children is completely different from what you're looking at for adults. So it's something that we'll look at in the future. Uh, The children's market is is a massive market in itself, but at the moment our focus is on uh, adult learners or high school learners, teenagers.
0: I watched, was it season one, Fortune? And I would say in Korea... I would say middle school and up could watch that. I mean, there's nothing.
3: Right. Little
0: little tinge of violence maybe here and there. Not really, though, you know what I mean? Not compared to what kids watch. But uh, it's also younger kids, obviously, it's
2: all about attention span and stuff like that. Like, obviously, animated stuff like that would be. And with other technology, attention spans are growing short shorter and shorter and shorter
3: absolutely agree about that like the the attention span is brutally (laughs) short these days yeah so you've got it you've got to engage them for as long as you can and as you say scott like there's nothing in there that's offensive uh there's nothing that you know there's no bad language there's no real violence there's nothing that's going to upset anyone or cross any cultural backgrounds or anything Mm -hmm. like that that's offensive
1: you Can also you? provide, like, a lot of, like, everyday English expressions or idioms that people, like, uh, are not familiar with.
3: So, when you look at the materials, you know, there's a little bit of a grammar focus, which we've also got grammar videos mm-hmm. to support it with. We've also got situational videos. I've that,
0: seen those with Scott, right? I've right. seen Scott in a few videos, anyway. Yeah.
3: yeah. So, there's, like, the, the materials are broken into different sections. Mm-hmm. And you've got your, your grammar focus, you've got your vocab focus, uh, you've got your your um, Situational questions, your pragmatic stuff, and then you've got your extension activities. Okay. So, like, I mean, a lot of people get upset about grammar being taught. You know, there's, there's the big argument where, you know, whether you no know, grammar needs to be taught or whether it doesn't. You know, it's a necessary
1: <laughs> evil. Though, yeah, right there. no?
3: there's, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Like, and there's, like, if you do go into the research and do your, your masters on that, that's the big argument, you know, the input versus the output ideas. Yeah. Um, but, I think these these things are necessary to to put a little bit of grammar in there. You're not overdoing it, but you've got the vocab in there that they need. The, the main stuff is the, the pragmatic stuff, the situational mm. use of the language. And we've compiled a lot of uh, on our YouTube channel, which is obviously freely available for you to subscribe it, where you can watch our grammar videos, you can watch our situational and pragmatic stuff, and you can also usually view our trailers. And we might put a um, uh, first episode of a series up there, so you get a sneak preview of what it's about. Mm. But
0: is Fortune still up on there for people to? For, to the first know? two, first.
3: first two episodes of Fortune. Okay. But if you want to. Go to our website, you can view it through there. But uh, on YouTube, you've got uh, Fortune 1, Episode 1, uh, sorry, Fortune Blue, Episode 1, Fortune Gold, Episode 1 and 2. So you can have a sneak peek at that. If you're curious about it and you want to see what the materials, you can still download the first episode materials for Fortune Gold, 1 or Fortune Blue. So blue is at a pre-intermediate level and gold is at a uh, upper intermediate level.
0: That's at the website? Yes. So just go to the
3: website which is chasing
0: the, time english.com.
3: that's right and youtube youtube's just chasing time english just chuck in chasing time english and they'll take you there and you know do what everyone does like subscribe and comment
0: yeah you can find out more about chasing time english obviously at the, probably everything at your website right
3: absolutely so chasing time english.com that's right and you know like obviously you can follow us on our facebook group and Like everyone else, we've got the Twitter following and uh, we're just getting sorted out on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. So there's many different avenues that you can follow us. I'd say the Facebook group is where we keep everyone up to date with what's happening.
0: Okay. And that's, again, Chasing Time English on Facebook.
1: Yeah, this is a highly acclaimed, you know, like service. You were telling me you guys won an award in, in England or something uh, recently.
3: Did, didn't win. We uh, got nominated to the finals. Uh, well, that's good uh, enough. Though. So yeah, yeah. like uh, it was. It came out of the blue. It was uh, very nice. It was um, from. There's a big uh, educational magazine called the the Pie News, which is across um, the whole education field, and we got nominated. Uh, we're a nominated finalist. In the section of uh, digital innovation of the year last yeah. year for learning, so that gave us a lot that's of exposure. That's great, man.
1: That, yeah, like that—that's got to give you a lot of like motivation to kind of continue it further. And absolutely, yeah. you know,
3: like it's it sees this little bit of feedback along the way. You know, we've got lots of good feedback from a lot of people into the industry. But yeah, like getting that recognition was was great. Yeah, and, you know, it gave us a lot of confidence in what we're doing and for that we're sure. on the right path.
1: Yeah, like they saw something in it. You know, like that's that's
3: worthwhile kind of thing. You know, so that's good, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, it was. It was where everyone was really chuffed when we got nominated for that. Obviously, a little gutted that we didn't win, but you know. Uh, I like must be honored a- <laughs> to be nominated,
1: at least, <laughs> sure, though, you know.
3: Sure, sure. Like, I mean, you're not going to complain about getting invited to a big prize given in London. All right, so, Craig, so what's your role in all this? Well, on the... Uh business relationship manager for uh, Chasing Time English. So what we're looking at doing is we're setting up agents uh, around the world in each country to look at distributing Chasing Time English products to various schools and institutes around their country. So at the moment I'm visiting uh, Korea and having discussions with some people. Also heading to Japan next, going through Hiroshima and uh, Osaka, Kyoto and then up to Tokyo and got a couple of uh, meetings to try and sort out
1: so it sounds like a lot of a lot of countries
3: have invested some interest in this yeah like words getting out there about what we're doing and it's it's starting to pick up and a lot of people are getting back to us and wanting to represent us and are interested in uh being agents for us so it's just going through and setting up a, a distribution system that that'll work for the future of it once the digital platform rolls out
1: mm, that's great man so you know onwards and upwards then indeed and definitely yeah that's great that's good news
0: so once again for people that want to access any information you can go to chasingtimeenglish.com correct
3: that's right
0: check them out on uh, youtube too i i watch a lot of their stuff on youtube and i'd highly recommend it i enjoyed fortune Thanks. season one i think i, I, yeah, I watched all six episodes six.
3: that's right you should uh make sure you get to watch a, a drift
0: is there any episodes of that on youtube now or
3: uh the trailers on there and the Trailer? first first episode of a drift is also available on there. But if you want to see the other uh, episodes in the series, you just go to ChasingTimeEnglish.com and just sign up. Uh, it's a free membership and you'll be able to access the videos. All
0: right. I plan on doing that. Like again, I, I really enjoyed Fortune. So not in any, no offense, not in any educational way, but I enjoyed watching the mini series, let's call it.
3: Yeah, my father did the same thing. He was intrigued by the whole thing. Uh, and I didn't even show him the um the educational stuff, but yeah, like it's it'll catch your attention, and the fact that it's a, a learning tool as well is, is massive. Um, so if it's used properly, I think it can be extremely effective. But uh, if once once this is put up, I'll, I'll put up all the details where you can follow uh, Chasing Time English underneath in the comments. We'll have all the links with the podcast for everything. Awesome,
0: so you can check that out at chasingtimeenglish.com. Checking out, check them out on YouTube and all social media everything's probably chasing time english that's right and if you have any comments or any thoughts or questions you can leave your comments below don't forget to like and share this episode of the podcast and check us out on changwaner on facebook youtube itunes like and follow us on itunes that always helps and once again i'm scott you can find me at scott at changwonder.com or anything changwonderful.com is fine too and marco where can people get in touch with you
2: i am on facebook i am also on instagram just marco baya b-a-i-l-l-e and you can also find me at kpop.global and adam where can people get in touch with you
0: adam
1: maxwell kent on facebook and ever stalwart
3: on instagram
0: and I'd like to thank our guest, Craig, for stopping by and doing this. Where can people get in touch with you?
3: Well, if they want to get in touch with uh, Chasing Time and are welcome to join our Facebook page. Uh, any messages that you send through there, I'll be able to uh, communicate with you. If you want to follow what we're doing or follow me personally on LinkedIn, um, just look for Craig Nickel, which is uh, C-R-A-I-G-N-I-C-O-L. And you can just follow me also on Facebook, just under the same name. But yeah, thanks very much, guys, for having me here today. It was a privilege Thanks for to being here, man. Yeah, it's right. great.
1: Yeah, it's great to learn about this uh, this new program that you're promoting and everything. It's, it's, yeah,
3: it's wonderful. Yeah, cheers. Um, yeah, like it's great to have uh, old friends to come out and help out and uh, give a bit of a shout out to what we're doing.
0: All right, so that was Craig Nickel and Chase of Time English, and thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again
2: soon. We record our podcast in downtown Changwon City, South Korea at the only Irish bar in town, O'Brien's Irish Bar and Restaurant. They are located in jungang dong right across from the International Hotel on the third floor. If you are in the area, be sure to stop by and check them out for some good food, drinks and one of the best atmospheres in the area, O'Brien's Irish Bar and Restaurant, Changwon